Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the COVID What Comes Next podcast with Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health and a globally respected pandemic scientist and physician. Every week here, Dr. Jha will analyze events of the previous several days and offer his assessment and guidance for what lies ahead. I'm your host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal and the USA Today Network. Good morning, Ashish. How are you? Hey, Wayne. Thanks so much for uh, having me back. I'm well. Yeah, we love having you on, and this is becoming a great podcast. So a number of things we want to get into this week. Let's start with a a look back over the last seven days. Much happened uh, both politically and in terms of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, boy. (laughs) Can't believe it's only been a week since Election Day. It feels (laughs) like, what, a month, a year? Um, But it has only been a week. And, you know, without getting detailed into the politics, one of the key things that happened on Election Day was that there was a vote about the pandemic and in many ways, because um, I think what came out of the election was a majority of Americans saying that they want a different approach to the pandemic. They want a uh, and, and partly because Mr. Biden really ran on a very different approach to the pandemic. And so what that means is as the new team starts getting formulated, we are going to see, I think, a very different um, set of priorities and and, and activities, uh, which we can get into. Uh, The other thing, of course, over the past week, Wayne, is that infection numbers, infection rates just continue to climb. Um, We've had five, six days in a row of over 100,000 infections a day. Um, but alongside that, the percent of tests coming back positive has increased a lot, uh, which means in my mind right now, we are probably, uh, there are probably three to 400,000 Americans getting infected every day. We're probably only capturing a third of them. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week, but it is, uh, the numbers are, are bad and uh, everything suggests that things are going to get worse over the uh, over the couple of weeks, a couple of months ahead of us. So let's get into a little bit of President-elect Biden's COVID task force. Who the members are, you don't have to list them all, but just sort of in general, uh, who they are and and what they might be doing already. That was only established uh, a couple of days ago. But yeah, yeah. So. So first of all, it's, uh, you know, I've said this on social media and I'll say here, it's the A-team. It's really a, a diverse group of really superb people. Uh, Vivek Murthy is a, one of the co-chairs, former Surgeon General, David Kessler, former FDA chief, um, a whole bunch of other people, infectious diseases experts, uh, phys- other physicians, uh, other public health experts, global health experts. So it's a really nice mix of people 
Uh, and I think uh, their task, of course, is complicated because they're not in power, right? It's not like by, a president-elect Biden is president. So he can't, his task force can't do much yet. But I think there's a lot they can do to start laying the groundwork for action. And my sense is that that's what they're going to be focusing on. There was another big development this week, again, just yesterday, and that was Pfizer reported early results from its vaccine with 90% plus efficacy or success. Talk about that, what that means. Uh, and of course, you can get into other vaccines under development if you want as well. But let, let's start with the Pfizer news. Yeah, I, um, I, I think this is kind of unabashedly good news. This is just really good news. Now, the skeptics are going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. All we have is a press release. We don't have the data. We don't know how it's all going to pan out. And my answer is sure. But we actually have been tracking these vaccines. We have data from phase one, phase two. And this has been the big question we've been wondering is at the end of the day, will these vaccines actually work to prevent infection? And if they do, how effective will they be? And of course, there's another question. Are they safe? Which I'll come back to in a second. Um, but so far, you know, if we, when we were speaking last week, if you had asked me my best expectation, I would have said 50 to 60% effectiveness would be great. I hope it's 70, but I don't really know that it will be that lucky. Boy, don't I, aren't I happy that I was wrong about that? Like, I don't think any of us were expecting 90%. This is awesome. And if it holds up, and again, we got we to gotta see the data, but if it holds up, this will really make a profound difference in our ability to control the pandemic uh, once uh, the vaccine is widely out. The only other thing I'll say is it also raises my hopes for the other vaccines, because uh, the, the, what's in the Pfizer vaccine is they're targeting the spike protein of the virus, and it's, a, it's an mRNA-based vaccine. So there are other mRNA-based vaccines, and, and most vaccines target the spike protein. It just makes me much more optimistic that other vaccines will also have a high degree of efficacy. I have to tell you, I wasn't expecting it, but aren't I thrilled to be wrong about that in this way? Absolutely. Um, you mentioned safety. That's, of course, the other side of the coin of a vaccine. Does it work and is it safe? Those are really the two major things you look at. Where, 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 do, you, where do you think we are on that or where Pfizer is on that? Yeah. So they, uh, again, press release. In their press release, they said uh, they hadn't seen any major safety concerns. Uh, I don't ultimately like to make too many decisions based on press releases alone. So um, we're going to have more data probably in two weeks or so, uh, maybe a little sooner than that. What we want, here's what we really are looking for, what I'm looking for. Um, I want to make sure that by the time they submit data to the FDA, that they've got a median of two months follow up on all the people who've been vaccinated. Why two months? Because most of the major complications you're likely to see will show up in the first two months. There may be some long-term things that show up much later, but most of the things will show up in two months. And we will see in that data whether uh, there are any real problems. I do expect a certain amount of, you know, sore arms, certain proportion of people who will get a fever in the first 24 hours. Those are both very common and things that I, I am expecting. Uh, but I'm hopeful that there will not be major safety signals. Uh, but we will see in the next week or two, we'll know. 
So my understanding is that the federal government, I believe the CDC, has guidance on how this will be rolled out. In other words, who gets it first? When does it reach you know, the larger population? Maybe you can walk through uh, who gets it first, assuming that it's proved safe. Yeah, so let's let's fast forward a couple of weeks. Let's assume that uh, or hope that the data shows it's pretty safe and that the, uh, it really is 90% effective. It's going to get what's called an emergency use authorization from the FDA. That's not a final approval, but it's a, hey, we're in the middle of a crisis and we think that this is good enough and, and more than good enough. It's not just a, a low bar. Um, what will happen is that the first batch of people will start getting vaccinated. So who are they? Uh, they're likely to be healthcare workers, especially those who are on the front lines uh, and other first responders, you know, so fire, firemen and women and, and, and ambulance and EMTs and, and police officers, people who are doing a lot of interacting with folks. Uh, they'll be probably the first batch. Um, the, the next batch, and this is based on the CDC guidance. And again, again, this is a place where I think the Biden team will have a little bit of ability to uh, make some changes. But I think there's broad agreement here that the next batch really should be essential workers and high-risk individuals, elderly people, people with chronic diseases, people who are at much higher risk of having severe complications. And then the next third batch will be the broader population. Uh, and that, you know, so the timeline in my mind is December, January for that first group of, of healthcare workers, for, uh, first responders, February, March for the high risk folks, April, May, June for everybody else. And it also gives everybody time to ramp up the vaccine production and make sure that there's enough vaccines available. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask. I mean, obviously, we're talking about huge numbers of doses of this vaccine. Uh, what's your sense of the capacity, A, to manufacture and B, to distribute, distribute in the U.S. and also globally? Because, of course, this is a global pandemic. Yeah, and Pfizer um, has, been, has partnered with a German company. Uh, and what they have said, I don't know where I read this, but at least somewhere um, that they were talking about 40% of the doses for America, 40% for Europe and 20% for the rest of the world. And, um, you know, and, and so the other thing to think about is because the, vi uh, the vaccine requires two doses, uh, whatever number of doses they make, you got to have it in terms of the number of people who will get vaccinated. Um, so, my sense is they're going to have tens of millions of doses over the next month uh, or so. And it won't be hundreds of millions of doses until we get into March, April, May. It's just it's a lot to produce. You obviously got to make sure you do it. You produce it really with high quality. And uh, it's not like there's a ton of kind of manufacturing capacity lying around. And I do worry we're going to get into challenges of everything from, you know, one of the key issues with this vaccine is it needs to be frozen. It needs to be shipped at, I think, about minus 95 degrees or, or some very cold temperature uh, in order to keep it stable. Well, just the logistics of getting all of it manufactured and then out and refrigerated and kept cold uh, and then to, into people's arms, it's, there's nothing simple about what is about to happen. And, uh, and so that's part of the reason why this is going to take a while. It sounds like the federal government here in the U.S. will need to be involved in terms of distributing. Is that, that's my sense, but am, am I correct? I, absolutely. They're going to have to certainly be helpful on logistics. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, again, states are going to have to play a big role because states obviously off, do a lot of this stuff. Um, 
And so I think this is going to require federal state partnership and then close coordination with the private sector. This is going to be an all hands on deck. If we just kind of let this happen on its own, it will take us a long time. But if we get that close coordination, resources, uh, support, uh, I do think that we can get a large majority of Americans uh, vaccinated before June. So uh, finally for today, um, I was going to ask about Thanksgiving, but let's put that off for a week because that's still two weeks away. What do you foresee coming in, in the next week? You know, our podcast is what comes next. Yeah. What, what comes, comes next? Well, so a couple of things. Um, one is uh, I'm hoping we're going to start seeing some outlines of what Congress is going to do next. Uh, Congress needs to pass a COVID relief act. Obviously, there's money that needs to go to individuals, but I'm specifically thinking in terms of the pandemic. What needs to happen is states need to start getting money to expand testing. So we are, we're in a very tough situation. I expect number of cases and deaths to continue to climb over the next week. I expect you can see more and more states saying we are at full capacity as we're starting to see in the Dakotas and Utah and elsewhere. You're going to see more states doing that. Um, but I want to also watch for congressional action because Congress needs to get money to states and states need to start doing more uh, in terms of testing and other things to start being, bringing this virus under control. Thank you, Ashish. Have a good day and a good week, and we'll see you next week. Wayne, thank you so much for having me back, and I look forward to connecting again in a week. Mm-hmm.